Hi, Peter Borker here and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now joining me today in the studio is Jeremy Miner, CEO and founder of 7th Level. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on. Now, just so you know, I'm no longer the CEO of the company. I stepped down about a year ago. I'm, I'm just the chairman. I'm the original founder. Uh, but I have a brilliant CEO who's my business partner, uh, Matt Ryder, who, who does all the hard work of the company. So I am no longer the CEO, just the chairman guy sitting around in my chairs. Well, congratulations on transitioning out. Oh, it's been a big relief for sure. <laughs> now, the reason I wanted you on today's episode yeah. is because look, the pandemic has definitely changed sure. the world out there. Yeah. And I keep hearing a lot of people say that the sales cycle has changed, that actually they're finding it a lot more difficult to sell. And it's a lot more longer in terms of a process. And really, it seems that the world has definitely moved forward. Mm. We've known that. We've known that the whole pandemic has probably pushed us forward five years. Yeah. I do think there's a danger that people are still using yesterday's sales methodology and thinking mm. in a world that's vastly different. Sure. Well, I mean, buying decisions really only stall. And this has been going on. It's not like it just happened in, in COVID. It just progressively got even quicker. But buying decisions in your prospect's mind only stall because they have uncertainty with what you are saying is actually going to get them the results they want. And that is primarily triggered from the salespeople, the salesperson's techniques they are using that work against human behavior that actually trigger the prospect to have that sales resistance and uncertainty. I think one thing that we we all have to understand, and I and I think a lot of people just don't think about it. You know, I was at an event a few months ago, and and somebody in the audience asked me, like, "Hey, if, you know, Jeremy, if you could describe sales in one word, what would that one word be?" You know, and I sat there for probably about three to five seconds, and I'm like, oh, you know, there's a lot of words going through my mind. But what came out was that selling is change. Okay, selling is about one thing only, and that's change. So it's about how good you are at getting your prospect, helping your prospect view in their mind that by them changing their situation, that means paying for your product or services, by them being able to do that, that that is far less risky for them than it is for them to do nothing at all, staying in the status quo, the problems stay the same and nothing ever changes, like which is really more risky, okay? Right. So whether you're, you know, whether your prospect wants something better or they're trying to, let's say, get away, move away from that pain. It's all about change. But here's the problem though. Here's your problem, everybody listening, because I know your, your listeners are, are business owners and CEOs that have salespeople, okay? Selling is all about change, but human beings do not like change. So let me repeat that. Sales is all about change, but human beings do not like change, even though they say they do. And why is that? Because we feel unsettled, we feel uncomfortable, especially when it's initiated by some pushy salesperson that's ready to pitch their products or services within the first 15 seconds of that conversation. Because human behavior, just one-on-one, shows that we value something that's more consistent or something I would say that's more familiar 
even if we don't like it that much, over something that is new to us, that is unknown. Think like the battered spouse syndrome, right? You keep going back to the spouse, even though you don't like it. And you do that because you fear what's unknown to you if you leave that. That's just the way our brains work. So we have to understand is that we're not selling the thing, okay? We're selling the results of what that thing does, we have to start thinking differently, not selling the thing. Like if you sell cybersecurity to banks, you're not selling them a software. You're selling them the results of what that is going to do for them, which protects their customers from fraud. Okay. If you sell insurance, I'm just going to throw a few things out. You sell insurance. You're not selling them a policy. You're selling them the results of what that policy is going to do when one of the spouse dies and the other spouse is able to pay off their mortgage and not have any debt. That's what you're selling. If you're selling, uh, you know, let's say, heck, I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there. Let's say that you sell real estate training. I was just training a, a company yesterday on this. You're not selling uh, some type of training program that teaches people how to invest in real estate. You're selling them the results of what that's going to do for them, which is be able to help them make more money and become wealthy through real estate. That's what you're selling. So once we start thinking that way, our mindset starts to shift and then we develop the right skills around that and the right questions and selling becomes really easy because your prospects still have problems. They still have problems now in 2022, just like they did before the pandemic. That has not changed. So we have to understand that. You with me? Totally with you. And a lot of people will say, but they were actually doing this prior to the pandemic that they were trying to solve a problem. Do you think now there's a different relationship needed in terms of trust? Where pre-pandemic, maybe people were willing to, okay, you're trying to sell the solution. They were a lot more trusting than than they are now. No, I, I think, I, I think, prospects were not that trusting two years ago is there. I mean, maybe they're a little bit less trusting, but we're not talking about drastically differences. Mm. Like here's one problem that so many people buy into is they believe they can get into a sales conversation or get on a call with the prospect or, you know, get on zoom with the prospect. And, you know, one of the first questions out of their mouth was like, Hey, how are you doing today? And they think that questions like that in the beginning of a conversation somehow builds trust. Nothing could be further from the truth because all of your prospects know you're generally not interested in how their day is going. Let's just be real. Let's get, let, let the cat out of the bag here. So when you say, how are you doing today? How's the weather over in London? Oh, it's raining over there. Yeah, it's raining over here. None of that builds trust. What builds trust is you learning the right questions that takes the prospect from where they are right now, their current situation or current state compared to where they want to be. We call that their objective state. Now, what's the gap in the middle? It's all these problems that your questioning ability helps them see that they have, that they didn't know they had before they first started talking to you. So every book back here, like every book on these bookshelves will tell you that you have to be a problem solver. And, and I get that, I agree with that. But here's your challenge. If your prospect doesn't buy from you, you can't really solve their problems. All right. So in our day and age, you have to be better at problem finding. So you have to become what we call a problem finder and problem solver, not a product pusher. Now, what do I mean by problem finding? Problem finding means 
that you're asking quite the right questions with the right tonality that triggers the prospect to want to engage and want to open up to you. And maybe your prospects, when you first start talking to them, most of them don't even really know they have a problem. Let's just be real. Okay. Now, some of them might know they have a problem, the easier sales, but they don't really know how bad that problem is. Or maybe they don't understand the consequences of what will happen if they don't do anything about solving that problem. So once you learn advanced questioning skills and tonality and the delivery of that, not only are you able to help them find one problem, but now you're able to help them find two or three or four of the problems they didn't realize they had. And when you're able to do that, how do you think the prospect views you? They view you up here like this person is the expert. They're the trusted authority who's going to get me where I want to go. How do you think they view all the other salespeople that just show up and talk about features and benefits and how they have the best this and the best that, which every salesperson that's ever sold anything has always said to them? They just throw them off to the side, like over here, and commoditize you and try to get rid of you. That's why buying decisions stop. When you learn the right questioning skills, all right, and we can talk about that in a second, they start to view you much differently. And that's where trust is built. Trusts are only built by your expert questions you learn how to ask them that shows them that you can take them from here and get them to here. That's how trust is built in our day and age, for sure. You with me? Absolutely. So talk to us about these questions. Where do you want to start? That's a big subject. What would you say are the most effective questions salespeople should, well, the basics really, when you talk about sales questions to ask, what are the questions that they should be asking that are non-negotiable? Well, I think most, most, I want to make sure everybody understands what I mean by questions. Okay. I don't mean consultative selling where you're asking just a logical based question, John, tell me two problems that you're having uh, and, and why you're having the problems. That, that's just, that's surface level. Okay, you're never going to get under the surface with those type of questions, because when you only ask logical based questions, what type of answers are your prospects going to get back? Logical based answers. Yeah. And do human beings buy on logic or emotion? 100% emotion. Yeah, I'm, I'm cutting you off. I apologize. 100% emotion. Brain studies show that. I mean, there's no debate on that with now behavioral science. It's 100% emotion. Okay, so we have to be able to go far below the surface. So you want to you want to start learning what we call neuroemotional persuasion questioning. Neuroemotional persuasion questioning. That stands for NEPQ, okay? Instead of pushing the prospect because when we push a human being, what do they typically do back? Well, they'll resist. Yeah, they push back. I mean, that's hmm. just that's just human nature 101. Like if you tell your spouse you really really need to do something for me and then you push him to do it, what do they typically do back? They push back, right? So we have to we have to learn how do we get our process, how do we work with human behavior and how do we get the prospect to pull us in and want to engage, okay? So there's a, a lot of questions you have to learn. You have to learn connecting questions that take the focus off you, put it on the prospect. You have to learn what we call situation questions that help you and them find out what the real situation is, not just surface level stuff, because that's not going to go anywhere. And then how do you help the prospect find out what their real problems are? You can't tell them what their problems are, because if you do, what happens? That's going to go in one ear, out the other, yeah. right? 
you have to be able to ask the question where it allows them to tell themselves and surface problems that are buried in their subconscious mind, okay? Not only do you help them find out what the real problems are, but more importantly, you help them find out what the root cause of the problem is. And most importantly, how that is actually affecting them even personally. That's where emotion comes out. That's where buying decisions are made. Those are called problem awareness questions. Then once we've helped them see the, this huge gap, we have to get them to see what their future is going to look like once the problems are actually solved. We call those solution awareness questions. Then we want to rip that away from them and get them to defend themselves on why they need to change their situation now, not push it down the road. So we call those consequence questions. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you an example of that. This might help you. I was um, just uh, reviewing a, a sales structure that we're writing for a company that sells lead generation services to primarily Fortune 1000 companies. That's kind of their market um, that we're writing for them. And consequence question for them, because these companies that come to them, they're getting maybe like a lower quality lead or not enough lead volume. There's different problems they have, right? Now they've got a lot of competitors. It's not like they're the only lead provider company in the world, okay? They've got thousands of competitors. So a good consequence question would be, this and you wouldn't ask this up front. Consequence questions are more three fourths into that first discussion, that maybe discovery call, some people would call it. Okay. So I might say, but okay, but hold on. Like, what if your company doesn't do anything about this though? And you keep getting these lower quality leads to your sales team and your sales keep stagnating. Like you mentioned, uh, another three, six, 12 months from now, like what happens then? See, that's a consequence question that allows them to think, oh crap, if we don't do anything, this is what's going to happen. There's a consequence. Okay. Now, other gen I'll give you a couple of generic versions of a consequence question. Okay. What are the possible ramifications if you don't do anything about solving this though? Or have you thought about what would happen if your company doesn't do anything about this issue? See, those are more generic consequence yeah. questions. Depending on what you sell, you'd plug that in, okay? Uh, you wouldn't just say solving this problem. You would actually label the specific problem. So those are called consequence questions, okay? Now, instead of closing at the end and asking them, do you want the red one or the green one? Do you want delivery on Monday or Tuesday? Like stupid closes like that, which everybody sees through because they've been used for like 150 years. We want to ask what are called commitment questions. We don't even like the word closing around here because we feel like it demeans people, like they're just some number you're closing, right? Um, we want them to commit to take the next step and purchase what we're offering so they can solve their problems and get where they want to be. So we might simply ask now, it depends on what you sell. If you're more of a business to consumer sales process and it's a one or two call close, a little bit different. If you're in a more business to business selling environment, it might be commitment questions that are smaller commitment questions that lead to the next step to do a demo. And then after that demo, it might be commitment questions that lead to a smaller step of a proposal. And then after that proposal, smaller commitment questions that leads to a meeting with the boardroom, okay? Smaller commitments that lead to the ultimate commitment of purchasing. But wherever you're at in that sales process, when you're ready to, I guess, quote unquote, close, whatever that means, we want to simply say something like this. So, Amy, do you, do you feel like this could be the answer for you? Okay. That's just a commitment question. All right. Now, most of the time, if you've, if you've done the discovery part 
like you're supposed to, 95% of the people are going to say this. We really do. Or they're going to say, yeah, we do, but, and then they're going to, their real concern comes out. So it's a way you can find out what some of their concerns are without directly asking them. Okay. Cause that's awkward. Now, whatever they say, let's say they're like, yeah, we really like it, but we just don't have the budget. Okay. Well, budget aside, why do you feel like it is? Or why do you feel like it is what you're looking for? So I just skirt that in. Well, budget aside, why do you feel like it is though? And now they're going to tell me and more importantly, tell themselves why they feel like it's the answer for them. Okay. So that's just one example of a commitment question. That's self-persuasion. That's the highest form of persuasion, according to behavioral science, is getting the prospect to sell themselves and pull you in. Make sense? A bunch of boring stuff, a bunch of weird stuff here. Talking no, but you know what? It's, it's the way, that it's the direction people need to evolve. As you well, said. if you want to be great at sales, if you want to be a business owner that is scaling in 2022 and you want to have a much higher profit margin because your salespeople are not churning through leads and they're actually converting way more and you're spending way less, you're probably going to have to teach them more advanced skills for sure. And they're available. They're out there for sure. So, I mean, look, you obviously are well-versed and well-experienced in this. And listeners will be thinking, okay, how do I learn these skills? Yeah. If they are interested in learning these skills, what do they need yeah. to do? Well, yeah, because I know, I know we didn't have a lot of time to go through a bunch of different questions and stuff. And it's hard to do that just on a you know, 20, 30-minute podcast. But if they want uh, some resources on some different questions to ask uh, in different sales situations that they'll be in, and it doesn't matter what they sell. We train over 150-some, 160-some different industries at this point. Uh, we, even, we even picked up a seatbelt manufacturer over in Berlin about a month ago. And I'm like, okay, that's right. Seatbelts need to be sold. I never even thought about that. That's true. You know, so they sell seatbelts like Mercedes Benz and, and BMW and stuff, but that was interesting, but have them go to this website. It's our free Facebook group. So they can go to www.salesrevolution.pro. So salesrevolution.pro. And uh, right when you guys join, um, check your, your Facebook messenger, your messages, because somebody on my team will message you a free training called the NEPQ 101 mini course. And that is my CEO, Matt Ryder, breaking down NEPQ from connecting questions to situation questions, to problem awareness, to solution, to consequence, to your presentations, to your commitment stage. Uh, and he's going to give you access to some different questions that you'll be able to use um, really for any sales situation. You're in. And we go live in that group probably three or four times a week with different Q and A's, different trainings. And, and we have salespeople and business owners from really any type of business that you can ever think of. I think we have almost 19,000 people in there and we just started that group just a while ago. It's grown pretty rapidly. So they're welcome to go there if, if they want some uh, resources to sell more for sure. I think that's an awesome place for people to start. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. It's been absolutely interesting. Now, if anything's resonated with you today, you want to get in touch and have a conversation, head over to booker.com and get in touch. If you like today's episode, please like it, share it with others so they can benefit and subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And always remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. Please stay safe and head over to that Facebook group and start learning. Jeremy, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. You're too kind, Peter. Thanks for having me on your show.